What is Ireland's favorite song about dads? Oh, daddy boy. This is Sexy Dad Jokes. Johnny Spaz, welcome to Sexy Dad Jokes. Hey, Benjamin, you're a dad, right? Yeah. What does a daddy buffalo say to his son before he left for school? Hey there, Johnny Spaz, what did daddy buffalo say? Bye, son. Uh, Bye, son. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Nice one there, Johnny Spaz. You're a real buffalo soldier there. <laughs> hey, Johnny, my son once asked me, Dad, are you all right? Oh, what did you say? I said, nope, I'm half left and half right. <laughs> hey, guys, 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 what do you call your dad when he falls through the ice? What? A uh, popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, fellas. Hey, it's Squirt it's Squirt Squirt Squirt. Guy. Hey. Say, what did the potato say to the tater tot? What? what? Tot, I am your father. Oh, boy. Was that Darth Tater there? Uh, Okay, all together now. Welcome to Sexy Dad. Boy. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Sexy Dad Jokes. Oh, it's so good to be back. As always, I'm Ben Jammin, along with Johnny Spaz, Mike Mers, and Josh Richards. Hey there, everybody. And as you heard in the beginning of the show, none other than Square 50s guy himself, Richard Richards III Jr. And a little later on, we're excited to be welcoming to Sexy Dad Jokes our first ever guest, clinical psychologist Dr. Russell Colts. We'll be here to talk about fatherhood. So as you all may have noticed, we did end up having to take a little bit of a break from the show. But now we are back. <laughs> That's right. Sexy Dad Jokes has returned to bring you all the healthy masculinity wisdom you could want along with a fresh peppering of dad jokes for flavor. Speaking of peppering. Why do sharks swim in salt water? Oh, boy. Why? Because Pepper makes them sneeze. (laughs) Gosh. Oh, boy. But seriously, though, it is so good to be back. Our last episode focused on toxicity and wrestling way back in April during WrestleMania. We also released a special episode. I don't know if you caught that. That was just the four of us being ourselves and, like good men, practicing vulnerability with each other. And that episode kind of gave some context as why we needed to take a bit of a break uh, for the podcast here. But now we're back and better than ever. Probably. (laughs) Yes, indeed, Merce. And while we've been away, a lot has happened and we can't wait to share more. But first, Father's Day is here, and we wouldn't be sexy dad jokes if we didn't do something for this special day. 
So we'll have a lot to discuss about Father's Day itself, fathers and male role models, and and the role of fathers in our lives. And we'll also be looking at the other side of the coin. What happens when you don't have a father showing up in your life? To start things off, I want to ask you guys here today, what does Father's Day mean to you? Well, I guess I'll I'll go first. Father's Day for me was, or is even still, just my dad didn't really care. Like there wasn't a lot of emphasis put on it. The most emphasis was my mom to kind of celebrate my dad. And so she'd help us get cards and, and socks and ties, all the standard, you know, stereotypical things. He, he wanted us to show up, right? Like come to Father's Day and say hi to me and give me a hug, maybe a kiss and do what he says and do the cooking and cook something he wants, like a steak or something, right? I can really only think of a couple of times that we spent a lot of time on getting something from my dad because what he always really wanted, what he told us was Mother's Day is just before and my mom's birthday isn't far away from Father's Day. So it was like, don't focus on me, focus on your mom, Mother's Day and her birthday do that. And so that's what we did. So my mom's birthday is burned into my memory forever. And Father's Day is just kind of like a, okay, we show up and we give dad a hug and cook him some good food. One thing I really remember getting him was we got him this James Bond compilation book, hardcover book, really nice. And he loved it. He was so excited because we really paid attention to what he wanted. And then we kind of had a tradition for a while when a James Bond movie would come out, um, we'd go see the movie with him around Father's Day if it was in theaters. And then we got him like DVDs for James Bond and we would sit and watch it with him. So what he really wanted kind of was for us to spend time doing something he liked, which was James Bond and uh, get him some good food and do what he says, right? Don't give him any, don't give him any flack. What's his favorite James Bond? I never asked him. I don't think he cared. I don't, I, I don't think he has a favorite James Bond actor. I, I can say the way that he likes his martinis though. And that is shaken <laughs> Not MERS. So, oh. Oh, I had to throw one in there. How about you, Josh? For me, my dad is one where, especially now in the last few recent years, he's never been one to be one to be blessed with endless amounts of gifts and that sort of thing. He only really wanted to just know that we cared about him and that we could maybe have some time with him, some quality time. That's, I think, one of the. Uh, uh, love languages, I guess, and he likes having quality time. That's more of his thing. Mm-hmm. I will say though that you know when I've gotten gifts for him in the past, in the last few years, for like birthdays, Christmas, or Father's Day, that kind of thing, you know, I always make sure that I get something that I know he's going to really like, that I know it's gonna be really meaningful to him in some sort of way, whether it be based off of a movie he likes or it's something cars related, or even you know like a. He has a thing for like World War II Spitfire airplanes and that kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, I'll get them something. They're always meaningful in some sort of way. And I always make sure I do this just for everybody is that uh, uh, I make sure that I make a, a handmade card. I don't normally go and buy, you know, your generic yeah. uh, Hallmark cards, you know, because I think like there needs to be some more personality, some more meaning behind it, if you will. And so uh, I always try to make sure that I make a handmade car so I have a lot of time to really just write out how I feel and, you know, being truly grateful for him and everything he's done. And, of course, there's some emotions as far as, like, oh, this is a really good hits the heartstrings card. And, of course, then I'll give him the presents. Then he's like, oh, dude. Now, of course, my (laughs) father, being the accountant that he is, will be like, oh, buddy, you shouldn't be spending money on me. But then 
I'll see him, you know, <laughs> playing with like the video game I got him or something, and he'll just have the biggest grin like a kid on Christmas morning. <laughs> you know, so I was like, well, you say that I should be spending money on you, but you seem to not be against me doing it either. <laughs> so I, I love that image. Yeah, I love so, the image of an accountant. This is so cool. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's just how he could be sometimes. Uh, but really, down to it, it's Father's Day for me is just. It's yet another time to, it gives an opportunity really for me to show dad how much I appreciate, you know, and love him. Since normally we're not much of big spoiler guys on him, he just would enjoy a good meal every once in a while in a, good, in a month. But uh, no, Father's Day and birthdays and Christmas are like the prime times to really show like how much, you know, he's meant to me as a person. So I got a question, Josh. Hmm. What about uh, Grandpa Richards? Did you get him anything? <sighs> right, him. <laughs> well, uh, he has his tastes, as I'm sure everyone knows. Uh, and, you know, his demands are kind of simplistic. It's always make sure you can get him some Chesterfields. Yeah, the Chesterfield cigarettes. <laughs> and then... Um, as long uh, it, it varies the amount of whiskey he would want. Last year, he wanted like a <laughs> 1.75 milliliter giant half gallon Jack Daniels. And this year, uh, he hasn't really <laughs> expressed anything yet. I'm like, well, hey, Grandpa Richard, do you want to maybe want to go for like some scotch whiskey? And goes, do I look like I wear skirts to you? And uh, so <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see what he wants. But, uh, you Does know, I have to wear a kilt when you drink scotch. <laughs> That's I don't, the rules, I don't, isn't it? But... Isn't that the rules? So here's what I imagine, Josh, mm. is, is you're talking about your grandfather. I imagine like you would go up to your dad. You'd say, hey, dad, what's it like to have the greatest son in the world? And he kind of looks at you and goes, well, I don't know. You'd have to ask your grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very Richard-esque. Yeah. Did you get him any Skittles, though? Uh, not yet. Not yet. That's going to be... I, I did get him Skittles last year. That's always the thing. It's always get him the cigarettes, get him some form <laughs> of hard alcohol, mainly whiskey, and then some Skittles. And then if he needs anything else, I'm sure he'll be sure to let me know. Uh, he always <laughs> makes sure to let everybody know when he needs a steak or an afternoon highball or... He never changes. I mean, that's one thing I like about him is that, well, he never leaves a routine. <laughs> he knows what he likes and he sticks with it and never really changes. So hey, there's something to be said about consistency. Yeah, I guess. What about you, Ben? Oh, yeah. For me, well, uh, my dad, he passed many years ago um, after I graduated from high school. So it's a day of re remembrance for mm -hmm. me. And also kind of my chance to to honor my kids going the other direction there jack and glow last year they got me this uh personalized grogu mug baby yoda, <laughs> baby yoda. yeah <laughs> and that was cute glow's mom got me a pair of socks covered with a, like a cutout of her face so i have <laughs> Gloria socks <laughs> and uh, over the years yeah Jack's little drawings and cards like I keep them all and I just just seeing his little handwriting you know <laughs> on those things it's just like oh That's treasure I, I just eat it up so you got Grogu huh yeah does that make you the 
Ben DeLorean. <laughs> well, you know, this is the way. Oh, this is the way. Is the way. <laughs> oh my god. Um, how about you, Johnny Spaz? Uh, for me, it's Father's Day is like a day off. <laughs> so I don't really <laughs> have to do anything, which is actually kind of nice because it's one less thing, one less hallmark uh thing I have to get involved with. But I do take the opportunity to uh give praise and acknowledgement to the people in my life that are dads, good dads, present company included, Ben. Hey. <laughs> and yeah. uh so yeah, I kind of look at it like that. I get to send some some love out in the direction of the people that uh I know that are good fathers. But yeah, I don't really have anything to celebrate other than that. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Video games, right? You get to play as many video games as you want. Well, I could do that any day. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be anywhere, and you don't have any kids, so no kids are coming to see you, right? Not so, that like, we know of. Well, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> That's a common theme on this show. <laughs> yeah, where are all these phantom kids of yours? I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> That's the next Star Wars movie, care. The Phantom Kids. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Does it make me a bad dad if I don't know they exist? <laughs> You can't be a bad dad if you don't know they exist. Right. Well, that's my point. The teenage menace. The teenage <laughs> menace. A bunch of bearded little New Jerseyites showing up at his door one day. Oh, my oh gosh. Boy. They're only half New Jerseyites. <laughs> only half New Jerseyites and then God knows what else. Well, and you're Florida man now, right? Who knows, man? Because you live in Florida. There's been a lot of places. <laughs> that we don't want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, fellas. Uh, Father's Day. This is the the Super Bowl of uh, holidays for us here at Sexy Dad Jokes. So before we before we take a deep dive into fatherhood and Father's Day, let's get into the old mailbag here. The ye, ye old mailbag into the man purse. Man purse. Man. Mail bag. Mail. Mail bag, bag. Like man mail. Oh my gosh, a mail uh, sack. Now we should, we should just start calling it the mail sack. Double entendre. <laughs> okay, so uh, we actually got a voicemail from one of our listeners who wanted to uh, comment on our uh, superheroes episode that we did a couple episodes back. Uh, so let's let's listen to what she has to say. Hey, friends. Uh, Paula here. I was just calling and because I finished listening to the superhero episode and I wanted to call and share that I can't believe that you guys did not talk about He-Man. He's the most toxic of all toxic masculinity superheroes out there. And oh my goodness, I can't believe you guys missed that. Anyways, I would also like to share that if you haven't yet had a chance, I would absolutely recommend watching the new She-Ra. First of all, there's nary a mention of He-Man in the entire series. And secondly, the spectrum of characters on the show is just an absolute refreshing joy to watch. They're black, brown, trans, gay, non-cisgender, non-binary, tall, short, fat, thin, just the whole spectrum of diverse folks that we experience in our daily lives. And I would recommend it for adults and children. So I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Paula. So I loved He-Man when I was growing up. I, it was great. Tons of fun to watch. Um, yeah. It had a lot of wonderful, vibrant colors and characters. There were both strong men and women. Right. 
Tila and the Sorceress. So you had this great balance. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Orko was probably my favorite character. He-Man was cool. <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I loved Orko. Um, he was just this cool little magician guy. And he, yeah. he wasn't the strongest. He was actually the weakest, but he used his brain, his intelligence, right? That was, that was a big part of what Orko did. So, But I loved them all. The Thunder, or not Thundercat, but what was it? The Battle Cat. And then the, the tiger that was green with orange stripes. Yeah. Man at arms. Man at arms. Manny faces. Manny faces. <laughs> There's so many. Everything was man too. Like it was totally. I watched a, I watched a, that's funny. I watched a, cause I'm nostalgic about it. Right. So Netflix has this uh, documentary about it. Hey, he man, when he dressed up, he would wear pink. He had shirts pink and lavender vest. pants. Right. Yeah. Like the colors were very, <laughs> so it's interesting. Very flamboyant. I hear what Paul is saying on the surface. Sure. Yeah. But, but I go, well, did you watch He-Man? Cause I doubt she did. She may have, I don't know. She'll watch the new She-Ra and I think that's cool. But if you didn't watch the old He-Man, maybe you're, you, you don't know. I mean, at the every end of every episode was a public service announcement. Yeah. To be fair though, I used to watch it all the time and I don't remember. <laughs> If, I remember the 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 end um, of each show, just like GI Joe. Yeah, had that, I remember knowing that. is half the battle, right? And they were really good things. That was really great. But what I'm saying is, I don't remember the toxic masculinity part of it. I don't remember any toxic masculinity other than you couldn't be He Man, right? Like unless you're uh, what's his name? Right? Who's the really strong guy? That Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger. right? <laughs> or Dolph Lundgren played him in the live action. Right? These guys are massive and huge. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that. But he only got that power when he said, I have the power of Grayskull, right? And then he got huge. And, th- and then that's like that's the fantasy. Is, and then he went and did good things. He was actually the defender or the guardian of the castle Grayskull, which was uh, full of all the secrets. So, mm. and, and he said at the beginning of every show, I'm the guardian of the secrets of castle of, or I'm the protector, guardian. One of those words. I'm the yeah. defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. <laughs> Does anybody else find it strange that Skeletor was Skeletor? The only thing that was skeleton on him was his face. <laughs> that is kind of funny, isn't it? It's yeah. just weird. He's, he was as bulky as He-Man. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to speak to whether this listener has watched the show or not, but I think the point she's trying to make is there's sort of like this glorification of, of strength. Uh, yeah. And this like fetishizing of the male physique and, and even the name that like he man is like, how more manly can you get? Well, they were all right. There were a lot of man in man at arms, he man, beast man, right? They, they man was a very consistent theme. I wonder if they were like, wow, there's a lot of man stuff going on. Man energy, little bro energy here. We need to get a female version of this. Let's do, uh, I don't know, She-Ra. Yeah. <laughs> and funny enough, they did She-Ra and she is very strong. Well, I think because She-Man would have not played out as well. Market, like the marketability of that probably She-Man. would have not. It might have been confusing. I will say that She-Ra was my first love in life. I had such a, uh, a crush on her when I was a kid. I was Tila, which is He-Man's right-hand yeah. woman. I was so into her that 
when they came up with a like a motion picture i was like in third grade and i asked my dad to take me to the theater to watch she so i have seen the new she-ra show i think it's on netflix and uh yeah it's pretty good i watched one episode because you know the flame doesn't die easily right (laughs) (laughs) but i did check it out in all seriousness and yeah, it's absolutely a show I'd want Gloria to watch when she's a little older. It's really, you know, the idea of portraying a woman as a strong character and as the hero and not as this object that needs to be rescued and saved. I think it's really the what, what's cool about It's like about a breakthrough it. in the whole patriarchy thing. I think that had a lot to do with Gwen Wetzer, who was the director of the animated series. The new and one or the old one? the new one Mm. or the old one, excuse me. And she was one of the first female directors to direct animation. And she had a lot of influence on that. And so did, uh, Shimer, who was the guy that ran filmation. Mm. And he was very sure to make sure that a lot of things stayed in that were inclusive. That's cool. It, It is, it is a really cool documentary. And on the surface, I totally agree. Oh, you're fetishizing the male physique. But when you, you got the phallic sword, well, every sword is phallic. <laughs> you can't have anything but a phallic sword, right? Why does he need a phallic sword though? Because he needs a, they're all phallic. What sword is not phallic? List the sword. I guess. A, Why does it gotta be a sword? Yeah, but this one's especially phallic. Cause he's a barbarian. He could use rainbows. He could. Well, it's not care bears. It's <laughs> you, don't mess with them, you don't mess with them care bears, brother. You don't mess with them care bears. Uh-uh. They give you the stare. I'm actually curious <laughs> to see the reboot that Kevin Smith is producing. I saw like, uh, actually, my buddy sent me a clip of that the other day. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'll say for myself, I mean, I'm kind of the odd man out. I've never watched an episode of He-Man. That was I when the show was around. Well, I wasn't alive. So I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really see that. My my first exposure to He Man outside of like, oh, if we my folks had to go to Rite Aid, I might see a toy at the Rite Aid. I never saw it at Toys R Us or anything. A drugstore, at the drugstore, you know. <laughs> uh, but then I first was introduced to He Man on whenever he showed up in Robot Chicken, you know, oh, and they yeah, do all the spoofs on Robot Chicken and Orco and all that stuff. And oh yeah, they're awesome. You know, that was it. Of course, there's the the show coming out that Kevin Smith's doing that looks well. I mean, it's it's a it's a show. There's He Man and all of his inhumanly big, you know, biceps and all that stuff, and he's fighting Skeletor. That well, that's a thing. But <laughs> I wasn't exposed <laughs> to it, uh, you know, as all y'all were. That's that a was, thing. <laughs> it was before my time. I like how they so. overly sexualize He Man characters in Robot Chicken. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I. I I might be confused. I mean, someone has to give clarity. Was He-Man the show before the toys or was it after? So that's interesting because He-Man, the toys came out as a direct response to Star Wars, which Kenner got and Mattel passed on and they needed to get back market share. So they went the exact opposite route and made huge, massive, muscly toys that weren't on the market anywhere. And Mm. that's why they took off. And then the cartoon followed after. And then the cartoon followed shortly there. Actually, so comic like, books, comic books came with the toys, and those mm, comics are yeah, really I remember good. That. They're full of good stories, like morals and values. It's really weird because you go, "Oh my gosh, it looks like so terrible" because he's this big guy. But then when so, you read what yeah. was at, the content that was actually there, it's very surface. The the fetishization of the mm. male physique, I guess. I think right. that 
perception though is important there. And I, I think that's one of the things that people who weren't fans or it's not nostalgic for, it's, it's hard to see that perspective when it, something is nostalgic, you know? Right. Well, what I was going to go with was that, okay, it was a toy first and then it was a cartoon show. And that's like how Transformers was where it was the toys mm, yeah. before the show and the show was made really just to sell the toys. I mean, and but uh, people got emotional, like with the Transformers animated movie, and like all these characters were dying. It's like, no, but the people were like, we were just trying to introduce new toys. We didn't think there was like emotional. Response. We just were, they were advertisements for, for the toys. That's what they were. And so, yes, they're a bit, you know, I guess maybe for the time, I guess toxic where we're, we're glorifying giant muscular men and maybe not seeing the most diverse cast, but it's just, it was a commercial for, a toy in the eighties that wasn't as diverse. And you know, that was just the times, unfortunately. I miss those era at those days, man. I miss that era where cartoons were allowed to target kids with like sugar cereal in the, in the middle <laughs> of the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, going into, I guess if we could sort of talk about thematics of what uh, the listener was talking about. I mean, first off, I mean, we didn't mention He-Man. I think because for myself, I didn't see He-Man as a superhero. Because we're talking about like DC, Marvel, and you know, heroes that are like in the cities and how we kind of, or the Incredibles, that kind of thing. That's how the superhero we kind of see him oh, as. Yeah. He Man was kind of more in his own thing. That was just my own perspective. Can't uh, get me started on Incredibles, Josh. Yes, I know. I know. Yeah. It, I'll, I'll have my buddy come in and bring you back to Earth if I have to. Okay. <laughs> Don't make me do it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. I am the captain now. Okay. Uh, but I think when it comes to, you know, yes, I, I've took a, some images of, I've seen some images of the Shira show. I'm great. And it's good to have diversity. But I mean, you got to understand that was the, as we mentioned with the superhero show, it was a different time, right? You know, Batman was different at one time and now he's different now. He-Man was different at one time. I'm sure he's going to be different now. We don't know what this new cartoon show is going to be like. I don't know what the hell happened to the movie they were making, but that's died. Uh, so I think, <laughs> yes, there is some toxicity as far as with, oh yeah, it's overly masculine men. I guess maybe the women weren't as active and as big of characters. But again, they weren't there to make great cartoons to inspire everybody. They were there to sell toys. That was the gimmick back then. I'm sure it'll be different when the new show comes out, God willing, but I don't think, um, you know, He-Man may be as toxic as one would think when you actually look deep beneath the surface. That's just my opinion anyway. Yeah. So thank you, Paula, for uh, calling in. And there were toxic elements to He-Man and there were good things. And it's interesting to break it down and, uh, and, and learn from the experience. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well. I think we can all agree that this He-Man remix is uh, the most important thing to come out of the He-Man universe. Yeah, you want to talk about toxicity here. <laughs> <laughs> When we last left off, as you may have heard in that bonus episode we put out the last time you had heard from us, I was definitely feeling some kind of way. 
I've been at a crossroads in my life and career, and I had been making a living as a consultant, but my contracts were sort of sunsetting and I needed to figure out what I was doing next, which brings up the role of a man as a provider. Now, you don't have to be a male to be able to provide for your family, but that's sort of the traditional role, right? And we know that society is changing, roles are changing, but at the end of the day, your family needs resources to survive. And so, yeah, I do have a responsibility to help bring in those resources. So I I set out to embark on a job search. It's actually been going really well. And I find myself now in kind of a bit overwhelmed, actually, as I'm interviewing for several jobs and I can't get into it all at the moment, but but things are looking good and uh, I'm hoping this all gets settled soon. But I did need to take some time off to focus on the search. Things are going well enough now that I think I can handle producing another episode. So here we are. I will say that while we preach the need for men to make ourselves vulnerable, it isn't easy. And it wasn't easy for me to talk about my struggles in that bonus episode. There's a part of me, a big part of me, that thinks if I share my struggles, it makes me look weak. And that means I lose your respect. And what we're trying hard to do at Sexy Dad Jokes is to spread the message that what we think of as a weakness, showing our vulnerability, actually requires a great deal of courage and strength to do. And that it is healthy of us as men to lean on each other rather than to see each other as threats, right? And when we do that, we're all better off for it. Compassion and vulnerability as signs of bravery and strength. What a concept. Yeah, Yeah, it's a learned thing for me. It's like I didn't, and it wasn't necessarily taught that at least not for many of the male figures in my life up to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a trip and, you know, I've also been doing a lot of reflecting on this idea that, you know, as men, if we're not providing or if we're going through sort of a slow time in our lives, that we still have value. There's this feeling that if we're not able to provide that we're worthless and you see it in men all the time. We as men can be really, really hard on ourselves and to also just be mindful enough to to take it easy on ourselves. Like we're, as long as we're doing our best and, and trying hard, uh, things will will work out. Things will turn. In the meantime, don't lose yourself in that. Be strong and be, and be kind to yourself and do your best. That's all you can do. That's right. Mm-hmm. I think the effort's more important than being perfect. Yeah. So uh, how have you all been doing, fellas, in the past couple of months? Tumultuous. <laughs> Tumultuous. There you go. <laughs> it's a $5 word. <laughs> Here. Uh, here's a 50-cent BOGO word. Difficult. It's been pretty normal for me. I mean, I had to take a kid to the ER, so that was a new experience for me, not being Ooh. the one going to the ER, but having to take someone and, mm. uh, everything. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as far as we could tell, everything went fine. But you know, there were they ran some tests and some things came back that weren't terrible, but weren't great either. And we went back the next day, talked to the doc, and he's like, "Hey, if you're feeling better and everything's running normal, then we didn't find anything else, so you're good to go." But that's kind of a it's a, it's a scary part, right? And so came back an hour and a half later. I went, "Okay." Let's go to the walk-in clinic. We went to the walk-in clinic. They were like, no, nah, you should go to the ER. So we went to the ER or ED, they call it now, the emergency department. So it was, I mean, scary kind of, but I don't know. Just it's a weird thing to be in that situation with somebody who's vulnerable because I've never had that. I've always been the person in the ER. I've never been the one taking somebody there. <laughs> Crazy. Wow, that's nuts. Good, good guardian work there. Yeah, man. Yeah, I didn't think about that at the time, but. Looking out for your tribe. You got to do that, right? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, for for my case anyway, um, obviously I'm the retail guy, so I've been stuck in retail doing, well, retail things and trying to feed the masses and deal with the masses on a daily constant basis. But speaking of walk-in clinics, I did have to go into a walk-in clinic. Uh, oh, goodness, it's been about three weeks now. Because uh, I was starting to feel really sick uh, as far as like I had some throat problems. Hmm. And then uh, I thought it was strep. But uh, I went in, I took a COVID test and then a strep test, which wasn't fun. Uh, then, you know, they took a blood test and doctor came in. And uh, I never met this doctor, but he came in and he's like, okay, so. And this is, he was an Asian man. He's like, okay, so COVID test? No. Strep test? No. Blood test, you have mono. Uh, I had no idea what the heck mono was until he said mm. that name. And it's like, well, um, okay. It was challenging health-wise as far as just not getting any sleep. I had my own personal empty Dasani water bottle. That was my spittoon jar, essentially. Mm. That was a shit ton of fun. But uh, ministers are talking about testing masculinity and questioning it. Uh, you know, there was times where I felt, you know, I, I was upset, not because I was sick necessarily, because I've dealt with injuries and stuff my whole life. So it was nothing new, but I was getting upset because of the fact that I was having to be isolated. And, you know, when I found out that, okay, I was kind of really getting sick and I need to, you know, isolate myself. I was at my girlfriend's apartment. I had to leave. And that night, you know, uh, it was a very emotional night and I was upset because, you know, I'm seeing my girlfriend crying and I want to like hug her and kiss her and like hold her, but like, I can't because I don't want to get her sick. And so it's like, I want to be there to be as Ben's brought up that guardian and just be there for her. But I couldn't because, well, I didn't want to get her sick. And thank goodness, you know, the same day I went to the doctor, she went to the same doctor actually. And all tests came back negative. So she didn't have mono. Thank, thank goodness, mm. but it still hurt just, you know, being in this weakened position alone, couldn't talk to anybody. I could barely even talk, you know, and so that was tough, uh, but that's been long gone now. I've been back at work doing the grind and making sure my grandfather isn't trying to start a revolution or something. Uh, <laughs> he's tried. He's tried. Uh, and also now, because it's been Father's Day, we've been uh, also... I've been helping get started on helping with sexy dad joke social media. Murs says as well with his TikToks. Oh yeah, and uh, we've been getting some big time uh, 
big time social media pushes out there to be sure in our little hiatus and a lot of good stuff's been going on so far. So it's all good now, mm-hmm. but uh, earlier, <laughs> not so much. Oh yeah, tomorrow's no joke. I, mean, when I, I got it when I was in high school and I, it put me in the hospital for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad news. Mm-hmm. Ooh, glad you made it yeah, out man. of that the other end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you mentioned the social media. Josh, you've been doing a great job with those. Um, those Father's Day posts and then Murs with your dad jokes. And I think, uh, Murs, you're, you've developed some Father's Day cards, correct? Yeah, they're, they're really basic. Uh, you can uh, just put them into a, a word processor, right? So you put page one is, your, is the front and then page two is the back. And you print front and back. Uh, you can print them in grayscale or color. And they're really just simple dad jokes that are fun and funny. Um, the joke that I said earlier, the grandfather joke where the son asks the dad, what's it like to have the greatest son in the world? Ask your grandfather. That's one of them. Um, they're, they're really basic and simple, but I thought it'd be nice to give uh, some of our listeners the opportunity to be able to download a card and then just print it. Um, and then I was thinking like, these are great for Father's Day, but we can just change them to anything we want. They don't have to say Father's Day. They can say happy birthday. They can say happy anything. Hmm. So I think that's what we're going to do afterwards is change the happy father's day to happy birthday. And then people still get the cards and have a nice non hallmark way to, uh, to, to show their dad, they care and get a good laugh out of him because they are every dad I've showed them to has laughed. So hmm. nice. Yeah. I know I'm always scrambling for, for a card for all last minute before an event like father's day. So yeah, that'll come in handy. So go to the website, sexydadjokes.com, and uh, you can click around and, and download those cards there. All right. There's quite a lot happening for us here at SDJ, and we have plenty more to explore in this episode, to be sure. But before we go further, Ben and Josh, I think you'd like this. I pumped in the square fifties guy the other day. Oh, really? And uh, so what was he doing? Was he uh, petitioning to get a scarecrow to scare kids off his lawn? (laughs) I was actually at the mall and we ran into each other. I remember it like it was just yesterday. All right, Lily, got you all set up. Go on inside and they'll be all set for you. Don't forget your mask. Ah, what a good Father's Day. Getting to be a Funkle for the best niece in the world. Taking her to the mall to do what she loves best. Does anything beat this? How about enjoying an afternoon highball? Hey, hey, Ricky Rick. What a surprise to see you here. It's been a minute. Oh, for the love of Pete Spaz, how many times do I have to tell you? It's Richard, Richard the Third Jr. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, Richard. Been too long since we bumped into each other. Anyways, what are you doing here at the mall on Father's Day? Well, you see, Spaz, I wanted to see what the modern mall experience was like. These behemoth shopping centers truly are quite something. Would be nice if there was more manly things here since all I see are closed stores and organic coffee shops. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richard, 
both those things can be manly. Men are more happy to go shopping alone or with others for clothes nowadays. And what's wrong with organic coffee? You can never trust anything that just grows from the ground without proper farming habits. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll see the maggot-filled weeds that the Red Menace use to feed their polar bears. <laughs> oh, well, no. whatever floats your boat, Richard. Hopefully it won't be like the Titanic. <laughs> Anyways, what are you doing here, Spaz? Well, I'm spending Father's Day with my niece, and we're going to have a spa day. Uh, what? You know, a, a spa day. Get her nails done, get a nice massage, the usual care stuff. Spaz, you wouldn't happen to be wearing dresses at home now, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that, Richard? Don't you know that spa days are for the women who aren't privileged to be housewives? Or are housewives who are sent there to leave their husbands alone? <laughs> First off, ouch. Secondly, <laughs> that is way too harsh, Richard. There's nothing unmasculine about taking care of yourself. Getting massages or making sure your skin is cared for is a good habit for everyone, regardless of gender. Even pro footballers have done spa days with their wives and kids. This modern era really can be a kick in the teeth. Uh. <laughs> well, Richard, maybe if you got a massage once in a while, you wouldn't be so pent up and angry all the time. You know, <laughs> self-care is part of being a responsible adult. A massage might not be a bad idea, but I'll say this, Spaz. I'm not going to get my nails done anytime soon, but I will no doubt nail down a Moscow mule. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh... I mean, a whiskey mule when I get home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you'll be doing for Father's Day, Richard? Well, since the kids are all grown up and out of the house, my Father's Day will be spent with me getting to live like a king and do whatever I please. <laughs> I did get a nice phone call or two from the kids today, which wasn't half bad. Beats what went on for Father's Day when I was growing up. How do you mean? Please elaborate. Well, Spaz, when I was a small lad, my father would always make sure I grew up right. I started labor work at five years young, all day and night. If I ever messed up, it was the belt for me. When Father's Day came around, it was double labor work, and I always made sure my father had a fresh beer in his hand every minute. If I made a mistake with that, I would... Get the can, if you know what I mean. Jeez, Richard, that's brutal. I hope you didn't pass on that kind of treatment to your kids. Oh, not entirely, Spaz. There was the occasional corporal punishment once in a while. My kids needed to grow up strong, see? Like a mighty ox. Kids these days are too soft. All this pampering and never getting into shape. You know, they say a horse must first be broken before they can reach their potential. <laughs> Richard, you know that shouldn't be the mindset of a father, right? I mean, kids are the most precious thing on earth. They should be shown the ways of love and compassion to help society improve. There could be some humility when they make mistakes, but that doesn't give you the excuse to use corporal punishment or the like. We, as fathers or father figures, should talk to our children and show them a better way to be. 
not using a belt, but rather words and embrace mistakes as a learning opportunity. You mean I can use my belt to keep my pants from falling down and not as a weapon? <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> you may be onto something there, Spaz. Who knew that simply talking to your kids would make a difference? Maybe you really can teach an old dad new tricks. Well, have fun with your spa day, boyo. I'm off to try some modern era food. Keep away from Red Robin, though. <laughs> the Red Menace knows no bounds when it comes to corrupting the modern American, even if they use a silly red crow. <laughs> Whatever, Richard. Have fun and happy Father's Day. <laughs> the Red Menace. Man, that square 50s guy can be quite the character. Wonder what Father's Day gifts he got this year. Probably a truck full of cigarettes and 50 gallons of whiskey. Five bags of Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> You're not too far off from that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, l- let's get into Father's Day here. And I'm excited now to introduce our first ever guest in the history of sexy dad jokes. All right. Who we got? I have continued to do my work uh, around the men's group. And I've talked on this show about some of that work previously. And, you know, these men's groups are just a tremendous opportunity to learn from each other and also lean on each other. Really great chance to practice vulnerability while also talking about a lot of the concepts that we talk about on this show. For instance, uh, we just recently did a session on warriors versus guardians and fake alphas. And through this work with the men's group, I've also gotten the chance to meet an incredible voice in the movement to be better men. So I'd like to introduce everyone listening to Dr. Russell Colts, clinical psychologist and expert on compassion-focused therapy. And I'm actually going to play a clip right now from a TED Talk that he gave about an aha moment that he had with his uh, crying baby. So let's listen to that now. We're really going to be able to commit ourselves to work with emotions like anger. We have to discover new ways to be strong. And that's where compassion comes in. Now, my own journey toward using compassion to work with anger actually began when my son was born, and I got to see the impact my own anger was having on my family. Now, this really came to a head for me when my son was about about three months old, and I was home taking care of him one day, and it was a day in which I had a lot of work that I really wanted to get done. And so the parents among you will not be surprised to find out that on this particular day, my son took about an hour and a half longer than normal to go to sleep for his morning nap. And I remember, like, finally he goes to sleep, and I'm gently setting him down into the crib and tiptoeing out of the room. And just as I get in the other room and I sit down to work, the cry. And with that cry, I was filled with anger. It took everything in me not to rush across the hall, stand over his crib, and yell, why can't you just sleep? Luckily, that didn't happen. But something else did. The intensity 
of the anger I felt at my infant son for doing nothing more than like, you know, not sleeping at the exact moment I wanted him to sleep. It, it shocked me awake. And I knew that if I was gonna be anything like the sort of father I wanted my son to have, that I had to do something about my anger. Thank you, uh, Dr. Colts Russell, for being on this show. And uh, you're our first ever guest, so welcome. Wow, thanks for having me. Guest number one, I feel terribly honored. This is awesome. Yeah! That's right, Sexy Dad Jokes is branching Doing out, it. y'all. <laughs> We're going to skip the softball questions and get right to it. So this is a little bit of a big question, but let me ask you this. Uh, the topic today is, is Father's Day. So what, in your view, makes a good father? Or to kind of narrow it down a little bit, what are three qualities that a good father has? Yeah, three qualities. I'm glad you narrowed it down a little bit. That is what makes for a good father. That's a big one. There's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, If I was to narrow it down to three things, and these aren't like the biggest, best things, but, you know, the things that come to mind, I think the first is warmth. Mm -hmm. I think a good father... Um, is skilled at helping his children and the rest of his family feel safe. And mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, a good father does that. And I think warmth is, is a, a primary quality in uh, people's ability to do that. For me, I know with my own son and my own family, to sort of keep myself on point with that piece, I, I try to pretty regularly particularly when I'm starting to feel irritated or something to, mm. to sort of ask myself, how do I want them to feel when they're around me? Mm. How do I want, you know, my presence to impact, uh, you know, the, the kind of moment to moment life of my, my son or my, my wife. And so that helps with that. So the first one would be warmth. I think the second one is consistency. Mm. I think a lot of times when it comes to, uh, you know, doing good things in our lives. Um, you know, if we watch movies, you guys talk about this sometimes. You talk about superheroes mm. and superhero movies and all that stuff. And I think we glamorize these these really big heroic deeds, mm-hmm. like um, you know that the, these one once in a lifetime actions. You know that you're you're you know running into the the burning building or something like that. And certainly, there's room for heroism and stuff like that. But I think, you know, in terms of being a good dad, particularly, and in lots of other areas of life, I think the rubber really hits the road with consistency. Are you showing up every day? Mm. Right. So can your kids count on you if they come to you uh, with something difficult to talk about? Or your partner, if, if they come to you with something difficult to talk about, can they count on the fact that you're going to listen and you're going to be receptive and you're going to care about what they have to say? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that consistency. Uh, gives them a little, it helps them feel safe, right? Along with the warmth that helps them feel safe and to know that help is there when they need it. Um, there's an Adam Sandler movie. I can't <laughs> even remember which one. I think it's one of the ones, you know, he's done a series of movies where he sort of goes away to an exotic right. location with a woman that he's going to have a, ro- a budding oh, romance yeah. with. And I remember, I think it's <laughs> one with Drew Barrymore and they're having a conversation and uh, she's telling him how the kids were looking forward to time with their dad, who she's not with anymore. But he bailed on it. He skipped out, right? He wasn't there. And, and Sandler's line really stuck with me. It doesn't happen very often that an Adam Sandler line really sticks with me. <laughs> this one did. He said, you know, parents should be so reliable, it's boring. 
right. <laughs> so consistent that it's boring. Like it's not even entertaining. Your kids just know you're there if they need them. Right. Right. There's nothing mm-hmm. sexy or dramatic or heroic looking about it. There's just that consistency that they know if they need you, you've got their back. They've got somebody on their side. So I think consistency is is a big one. The wise sage that is Adam Sandler. Stop looking at yeah. me, Swan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think probably uh, you know the the third one I would say is like genuineness. Hmm. You're you're a real human being who who sort of practices what you preach. So I think there's a lot of of uh, parents, a lot of people who say, well, and, and it's easy to do this as a parent, right? To tell your kids, well, be like this or be like that or do this or do that. Um, and then to, to not embody that yourself. <laughs> Is sincerity part of genuine? Uh, yeah, I think so too. So sincerity, I think genuous, genuineness was also, would also accompany uh, or involve, um, being being real and being honest, kind of like a pair or the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think um, so sincerity, you know, sort of means you mean what you say, and so I think that would fit in with with genuineness. Okay, you know, you're 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 a real person, and your reactions were re- are real, and you're you know consistent in the sense that. Uh, the things you say that you say reflect your values. Your behavior actually reflects those too. You know, your kids okay. uh, and the people around you aren't seeing you say one thing at one side of your face and then acting in a whole different way. You know, because particularly kids, they pick up on that really quickly. If we're saying, hey, you know, it's really important that you not drink. And then, you know, we're, we're <laughs> um, you know, tossing way too many back every weekend. Well, what message are they going to get? You know, so I think, I think confusing one, I think warmth consistent. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there again, there's consistency in a different way. So I think warmth, consistency and genuineness are pretty important. And I think one way we can kind of, kind of keep ourselves accountable to that, uh, without getting, you beating ourselves up, uh, that's not helpful, right? When we, when Mm. we mess up, which all dads mess up. Um, it's very tempting to feel like, oh, this, the fact that I did this means I'm a bad father. And that, right. that's a dead end. Yeah, that shuts us down. You know what I, I really loved about your, the story you told in your TED Talk was how you sort of caught yourself in that moment when you, were, yeah. you, were, you just wanted to, to get to do your work. You just wanted the baby to go down and... And he, he wasn't cooperating and you caught yourself and that turned out because of the reflection that, that you had with yourself, that turned out to be possibly a life-changing moment for you. I think it was, I think it was, you know, I, and it was, it was funny cause I just saw just how angry I was when, when, you know, I, when I had, I had laid my son down, I was just getting ready to work and then he started crying again and just the, I was overwhelmed with anger and it is sort of shocked me awake. It's sort of like, what am I doing being this angry about a baby being a baby? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, cause that's what babies do. That's sometimes they sleep and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in that, at that point, it, it, he was like a mirror and I was like, mm, I didn't like what I saw mm-hmm. in that mirror. Oh. I don't think everybody sees that mirror. 
Yeah. Well, it, it's a lot easier not to look at it. Mm, okay. It's a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that, you know, Ben mentioned, I talk about compassion-focused therapy and I, I, a lot, and I do. And a lot of times people hear compassion and they think uh, it's about being nice all the time or being sweet or giving everybody what they want. And that's not what it's about at all. It's about what do we do when we come face to face with suffering? What do we do when we see stuff that makes us uncomfortable or that's really hard? And I think one of the things that makes us most uncomfortable is when we see aspects of ourselves that we don't like, that we, we mm-hmm. might be ashamed of or that, you know, and, and it's really easy to, to, to shut down or, or to avoid and just like pretend that we didn't see it or, you know, rationalize or whatever. And I think, uh, you know, being a good father, part of what it means to be a good father is that we can self-correct, right? We can notice when we're not doing a very good job. And instead of just getting ashamed and saying, oh, I'm a bad father and shutting down, we could say, well, you know, just now I wasn't the, the best father I'd like to be. How can I, how can I make an adjustment? How can I do a little better the next time? Mm. That's beautiful. And I think another important aspect of being a dad is putting the kids' interests first. And when you're angry and you're acting out that anger on the child, you're doing it for your own purposes. You're doing it so that you can express your emotion that's pent up. You're not doing it because that's what the child needs in that moment. No. Well, and what you're doing, actually, actually, I, can I put a number four on your, on your three <laughs> questions? But w- one good thing that I think dads need to understand is that we're models, right? Mm. Everything we do in the presence of our children is teaching them how to be a person and how to be a father. And, and so if I'm going off in anger in front of my son, I'm teaching my son to have anger problems. I'm modeling a, a version of what to do when you get stressed out or what to do when things don't go your way that is, is poisonous. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him the very struggle that I have. And for me, that was the turning point. You said that seemed like a turning point for you. It was a turning point. And it wasn't a turning point. I mean, part of it was this anger doesn't reflect the father I want to be. But the other part was I don't want to give this to my son. I'm a psychologist. I know about, you know, if I'm modeling this behavior, that's how kids learn to be people, right? They learn by observing their caregivers and how they behave and they emulate that without even thinking, right? It becomes incorporated in the way they engage with the world. And that's not to say that, I mean, there are lots of people who can say, I don't want to be anything like my parents. And so they're purposely developing themselves in a different direction, but that's a lot harder than if we give them what they need the, the first time. And so, so when we're, when we're going off in anger in front of our kids, we're increasing the likelihood that they're going to struggle with their own anger going forward. And we don't want to do that. Oh, that's so important. And you mentioned earlier this idea that as fathers, we want to turn to compassion first and not anger. What are your thoughts around this model of being a dad that centers this idea of being the stern sort of silent type, authoritarian type of dad and how turning to compassion first can actually be really a sign of true strength and this concept of true strength where men, if we're compassionate and vulnerable, that's actually a bigger display of your own strength than 
than this other model, this sternness and authoritarian model. Yeah. The idea of compassion, just just so folks know what we're talking about, really, compassion's about what we do when we come face-to-face with suffering, right? And it's about simply um, uh, being sensitive to suffering, which just means uh, just acknowledging it, that, wow, this is really hard, this is a difficult situation, you know, this is uncomfortable, whatever it is. And then that's combined with the motivation to try to be helpful. So compassion isn't necessarily sweet or nice or, or soft or any of those things. It's about doing what's effective, what's helpful, what works in, in meeting suffering or difficulty. And one of the major challenges that we face as, as fathers and as parents when we're raising kids is that just like all human beings, our kids are going to face all kinds of different emotions, right? They're going to feel fear and sadness and anger and, you know, joy and lots of other feelings as well. And, and part of the problem with this idea of being a stern, silent father or man is that it, it doesn't leave room for any of those mm-hmm. feelings. We, we, it, it's sort of, uh, it's an unrealistic picture of what a human being is, right? I think uh, this idea of um, uh, men, a strong man as being essentially unfeeling the biggest problem with that is it is unrealistic because men, as all human beings, we have these feelings in us. We evolve to feel those emotions for actually really good reasons. And when we cover them up, when we cut ourselves off of those feelings and we don't show them, right? We're the stern, silent father. Not only are we like cutting ourselves off from our own experience and, and whatever it might have to teach us. But we're also settling a mo- setting a model for our, our kids that says, you're not allowed to express that stuff either. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed. And, and when, when our children get the idea that they're not so, so supposed to express emotions like sadness or fear or anger or anxiety or whatever, it doesn't take very long for them to figure out that maybe I shouldn't even feel it. Maybe even feeling that stuff is bad. And what that means, if you associate like feeling those emotions with shame, with there's something being Mm. wrong with me, then what that means is every time those emotions come up in you, and they're going to come up, they come up in all of us all the time. When they come up, your kid's going to have this thought, ooh, I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Mm. And one of the really tricky parts of that, and this is just a quirk of how human beings work, right? Right. We have unlimited access to our own internal experience, our own emotional experience. So if I'm scared or sad or anxious or angry or whatever I'm feeling, I can swim in that all day. I mean, I imagine you guys can identify with that. Like if you have a day where something really, you were scared (laughs) or you're anxious about something or something really ticked you off and we could just swim in it like all day long, just going back over the situation or worrying or whatever it is, right? So we have unlimited access to our own internal experience our own emotions, but we have very limited access to the internal experience of other people. I don't know what you guys are feeling unless you tell me or unless you show it to me, mm. right? And that's mm-hmm. a real setup because if I see all this turmoil in me, if I notice I'm scared or I'm angry or I'm anxious or I'm sad, and then I look at everyone else and everyone else like looks like they've got it all together. I don't see any of that stuff. Then it's a complete setup for me to interpret all of that as something that's wrong with me. 
And that's the model we're giving our, our kids when we take on this strong, silent persona, this stern, silent persona. We're, we're giving them an unrealistic model of what it means to be a human being, and we're setting them up to interpret all those difficult emotional experiences as something that's weak about them or something that's wrong with them. And that's wow. just normal human experience. Of course, one of the reasons we do that is that there are a lot of men walking around who really think that stuff that's stuff they shouldn't feel. That think that being a real man means you're never scared. It means you're never sad. And, you know, that's just BS, right? It's just not true, right? Courage isn't not being scared. Courage is you notice, hey, I'm scared and I'm going to keep going anyway because this matters to me. This is important what I'm doing. But that's not what we communicate to our kids with, with that sort of, uh, sort of demeanor as a father. Well, I think it's impossible to be brave or have courage if there's no fear. Yeah, absolutely. Like fear is a requisite condition for courage, right? If you never right. felt fear, I mean, because courage by definition is what you do when, when you're afraid. The other term, Ben, when you were talking that you used was authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And when I hear authoritarian, I really think, do what I say. Don't ask right. why, right? I just, I'm going to tell you what to do and you just do it. It's compliance. It's just compliance, right? And the problem with that is when we just, and and there are times our kids just need to obey, right? Right, Like, don't run out into traffic. Right. Don't stick your finger in the electric socket, (laughs) right? They need to know to do that. But as just a matter of of parenting, as a general policy, it's not very good because we do our, 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 our children a much better service if they can actually see the really good reasons why we're asking them to do whatever it is or why there's a consequence or why there's a rule, you know, and think about you. If someone says, you know, you've got to do it like this and it seems like it's kind of a pain, it's kind of a hassle and they don't give you any reason for why you should do it this way. Uh, and, and you know, it's a lot more work. You know, you're probably going to half-ass it. You're probably not going to uh, put everything into it. And, and if you do, it's going to be resentful because it just seems stupid, right? Uh, On the other hand, if you understand that, you know, yeah, I've got to go the long way around, but there's a really good reason for this, mm-hmm. right? It, so when we, when, we, when we explain to our children, when we let them in on what our reasoning is, mm-hmm. uh, we're teaching them how to be thoughtful about things and how to, you know, consider different, different options of, 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 you know, approaching situations and things like that. So I think this kind of stern, silent type, I think it's crippling. I think it's crippling for the men who buy into it. And I think it's, you know, sets us up to cripple a whole other generation of children, boys and girls, because the Mm. girls see it too. You know, alternatively, you have the authoritative version of parenting, which is from my understanding, the preferred parenting style compared to the four parenting styles that I'm aware of, which would be, authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and um, uh, what's the other one? Well, anyway, so that authoritative perspective. Yeah, and authoritative would, be, it would sound a lot more like what I was describing before too, right? Firmness, but in a way that communicates, here's why this is the way it is. Right, right. right? Here are the good reasons and acknowledges the kid as like a, a thinking human being. Yeah. Who, who is capable of understanding the reasons why we do things. And I love that because, and that's what I do with Jack and Glow. I narrate everything. I let them in to see well, what's my thought process in, a, in dealing with the situation. 
And a lot of it is just treating your kids as human beings. Yeah. And what that does is it gives them agency. They know that they have a sense of, of control in their own lives and they can benefit from whatever wisdom I have to offer in my thought process behind why I reached this conclusion. Absolutely. And they learn how to have a thought process like that. Mm. They learn how to consider things and weigh options and to make good decisions. Every time we articulate, well, here's the way it's going to be. And here's how I arrived at that conclusion. Here's what I took into account. We're teaching them a way of approaching challenges in life. On the other hand, if if we require blind obedience all the time, we're not teaching Mm. them to think at all. We're teaching them to follow orders, right? Mm, We're teaching them to be a lackey. It's the opposite of agency. There's no concept. Like you can have the formula with no concept. It doesn't really do you much good. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't build strong kids by teaching them to be mindless followers. Mm-mm. So there's a lot to unpack when it comes to fathers. And we'll hear more from Dr. Colts in a minute. But I'm sure there'll be a family feud about this kind of stuff. <laughs> Did someone say family feud? I'm your host, Richard Richards III Jr. Let's introduce our teams. First up is Team 1, the Sexy Dad Jokes Crew. Here we have Benjamin, Johnny Spaz, and Mr. Murd. What's going on? Ain't they something? Now let's introduce our second team. Pop Culture Dads featuring Peter Griffin. Hey, uh, how's it going? (laughs) Kratos, the god of war. Mm, I don't like the show. (laughs) And Darth Vader himself. I find this kind of show disturbing. All right, let's get underway, shall we? All right, team number two, numerous answers on the board. Let's start with Peter. All right, Peter, what are things to do with your kids to help them grow to be better adults? Hey, uh, how about fighting giant chickens together? (laughs) Good answer, good answer. Hmm, interesting. (laughs) Fighting giant chickens together. Survey says... Well, how about that? Well, let's go to you now, Kratos. What do... I have uh, have the card upside down here. Just, uh, oh, just give me a minute here. Read it, boy. Oh, don't (laughs) get your toga in a bunch. Okay, what are things to do with your kids to help them grow to be better adults? Teach them how to survive in the real world. Uh, Yeah, yeah, good answer, good good answer. answer. (laughs) <laughs> oh, very intriguing. Okay, teach them how to survive in the real world, survey says. Ooh, nicely done. Okay, Mr. Vader, what are things to do with your kids to help them grow to be better adults? Teach them the power of the dark side. <laughs> oh, yeah, good answer, good very answer. Very good, very good. <laughs> well, let's give that a shot. Teach them the power of the dark side, survey says. Oh, bad luck there, buddy. (laughs) Better luck next time. Uh 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 
Uh-oh. Later. Will you quit it? Uh-oh. Quit it? Oh, no. Oh, no. <gasps> well, that was close. Oof. Well, that's just rude. <laughs> you force choked him. <laughs> All right. Whew. Team one, starting with Ben Jammin. What are things to do with your kids to help them grow to be better adults? All right, fellas. All right. We got this. We got this. Here we go. Here we go. All right. It's not rocket science. Shower them with endless love and positivity. Woo! Good answer. Well, that's just sweet. Okay. Raise them with endless love and positivity, survey says. Excellent job. Okay, Mr. Mers, what are things to do with your kids to help them grow to be better adults? Teach them logic and sound reasoning. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Ooh, very insightful. Teach them logic and sound reasoning, survey says. On the money, Mers. Okay, Johnny Spaz, what are things to do with your kids to help them grow to be better adults? Oh, I know this. Uh, swim in pools of bacon. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Woo. <sighs> well, let's rip that bandaid off. Swim in pools of bacon, survey says. <laughs> Quite the shocker there. All right. Now we have one last question. Let's get a quick rapid fire response from everyone. This is very serious, so think real hard on this one. We surveyed over a hundred people and asked the question, Who's your daddy? <laughs> Peter Griffin. <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> eh, some drunk Irish guy. <laughs> okay, Kratos. Who's your daddy? I do not want to speak of my father. That's <laughs> <laughs> Zeus. Well, suit yourself. All right, Vader, who's your daddy? You don't need to ask me this question. I don't need to ask you this question. Weird. Okay, Benjamin, who's your daddy? Your mama. Oh. Ding. Well, well said. Okay, Mr. Mers, who's your daddy? Don't call me Mr. Mers. That's my father's name. I haven't earned it yet. Good answer. Oh. Good answer. Yeah. yeah. I see. I see. Okay. Johnny Spaz, who's your daddy? And what does he do? Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What the fuck? <laughs> I got into Arnold mode for a moment. My bad. I don't have a daddy. No, Johnny. I am your daddy. It's a little sus. No, that's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Oh, your daddy. Spoiler. Well, then. Well, on that bombshell, it is time to end this episode of Family Feud. See you next time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
I mean, I mean, Luke is Vader's son, right? Like that's been established. <laughs> it's not like people don't know that, right? Like that's a real Spoiler. thing. Like we all. Okay. 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 Good. Good. Well, good. 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 I, well, my girlfriend doesn't know that plot twist. She's never seen Star Whoa. Wars. Oh, she's only seen Rogue here. One. That's it. Whoa. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, she's got a lot of education work to go to when it comes That's to movies. Right. So just think you get to see somebody's first reaction to Star Wars. Oh yeah. Yep. Mm. That's like a rare thing. I know. And you don't even have kids yet. My lady, yeah. she's the same. She hasn't seen any of the original Star Wars or the newer ones. Mm. And what what I've noticed about people that I've watched Star Wars with that haven't seen it before is they get pretty bored by it. I mean, it's 30, 40 years old. So mm-hmm. the special effects aren't now. Yeah, the but young style Harrison is kind Ford, of older. Man. Well, I know, but yeah. I'm just saying like people that I go, oh, my friend or my girlfriend or whoever hasn't watched it. I'm just like, well, this sucks because this movie's amazing, but it's not like amazing <laughs> 1970s. It's 1970s amazing. Yeah. It's not so the it's, spectacle it's always kind of, of, a, a of an end game or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing is like, oh, this isn't a big, this isn't the big blockbuster that we're used to now. Yeah. And it was done on a tiny budget, so. Wow, that was a knockout, dragout game there. Crazy what can happen on a game show here at Sexy Dad Jokes. But now, let's talk about fathers. Or, moreover, what happens when someone doesn't have a father or father figure in their life. I'm sure this will be a touchy subject for some folks out there, but now let's get back to talking with Dr. Colts about fathers. The other parenting style of the four I was mentioning is called, um, according to the types of parenting styles that I'm aware of, which was uninvolved, which brings me to the topic, which is pertinent to me personally. (laughs) Um, So when you said warmth at the beginning of the episode, Russell, I was thinking that I translated that as compassion and you know, compassion to me comes from empathy and that gives you awareness, which leads me to the guardian role rather than the warrior mm. role. And, um, you know, in my own instance where my father wasn't abusive in the sense of, you know, some people, their parent, their father might hit them or something like that. My father was more of um, uninvolved and very permissive and also somebody that uh, I would say negligence is a form of abuse. And I think that's where that would fall into that category for me personally. So it's Mm. like, what about people that don't have like father's day is our theme for this episode. So what about people that don't celebrate father's day for lack of a father figure? How do people cope with that? Yeah. Well, since you use the word cope, I'm going to assume that for you, you mean the people for whom there's some pain around that. Sure. For whom, mm-hmm. you know, it's Father's Day. Because, you know, if it, uh, if it's just, mm-hmm. if, it's, if it doesn't mean anything to you, well, that, don't celebrate it. Do whatever right. you want to do, right? But mm-hmm. what, I think right. what you're pointing out is really important. If you haven't had uh, a father, people, you know, kids need caregivers that love them. And I think there are rooms, there, there is certainly room for all different kinds of family, but fathers are important male role models, uh, male figures in your life that care about you and value you and are on your side. I think, I think that's important. And I think when you don't have that, or when you have someone 
uh, who's, you've got ostensibly like a father in your life, but they're dismissive. They don't seem to see you. They don't seem to care about you. Uh, maybe they don't say, I don't care about you, but you know, they don't do the things that help you feel cared about. That can be a real source of pain. It can be a real source of suffering in people's lives. And so I'm going to assume that that's the kind of person you're, you're talking about in terms of when Father's Day comes up, it's painful, right? There's some weight to it. It's bittersweet in the sense where I openly congratulate and uh, you know commend my friends who are fathers. Ben, for example. Of course, I'm like, wow, like I know such how he does such a good job because I never had that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I can recognize it. And that's, you know, the awareness and, you know, it sounds silly, but, you know, dogs really taught me what love is in the sense that when I had a dog in my care and they just love unconditionally, it's like, yeah. I got to see from the perspective of what it is to be a caregiver and what it takes for someone to rely on you completely. So it was an interesting thing that happened to me through something technically unrelated, but not really. It, it, it has that the frameworks of what it would take to be a good, you know, caregiver in that sense. But yeah. yeah, it is. It is bittersweet. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't spend any time really thinking about my dad, but when I do, it makes me frustrated and angry for various reasons. But yeah, I, I think about people who do have abusive fathers and I think about the time it took me in therapy to unlearn all the, all the things I modeled from him. And to yeah. this day, you know, we were talking about <laughs> some things and I, I had this blind rage towards something and I was like, it was, if I had one wish, I would eradicate it from the world. It was sauerkraut. I hate sauerkraut. Oh my God. <laughs> what? I have a visceral response Wait, to it physically like, and I can't, yeah, I can't even like, if I had three wishes, one of them would be to eradicating sauerkraut. Why? Period. Why? Boom, done. <laughs> I done. like, why Forever. would you eradicate? Why wouldn't you just, why wouldn't you just wish to like it? You know what? That's actually a valid point, Mers. I don't, I didn't, I didn't, even, it didn't even occur that that was an option. <laughs> yeah, why deprive yeah, sauerkraut from It's not about the Yeah, don't take my sauerkraut. Okay, to be fair, I, I don't want to rob anybody of anything, but I, I, I so much hate this one thing that I would simply just snap my fingers and Thanos the shit out of it. Okay, I would totally just <laughs> forever gone. All the sauerkraut disappears from the world. No, Thanos oh, is yeah, only half, half of the sauerkraut. No, I'm going full double what about, Thanos. What about sauerkraut? What about kimchi? Would you be getting rid of kimchi too? Oh yeah, I all just had some kimchi. <laughs> yes, fermented oh, cabbage, all of the it. fermented cabbage, all the varieties. Anything that gives me that reaction <laughs> that sauerkraut gives me, snap gone. Or you forever. could like it. Oh my gosh! Oh, all right, I could like it, and and you know what? When you're when you, and it, it's a lesson that I'm learning from you, Mars. Thank you for that because you know I, I sense that I'm guided by blind hate, and I got these blinders and hyper focus, and I'm like, all I wanted to do is be free of that pain that I'm caused by sauerkraut. Dominated, Yeah, but it's a, but I'll take that as a teachable moment. Thank you, sir. So, Johnny, would you double Thanos Father's Day? Is that what you're getting to, man? One of the things that I hold inside me is like, if I didn't have him in my life, I would have been better off. I can see the things that have now cost me in times of, in terms of time, what I've lost. And I was able to figure it out. Now, what if I had been given that chance early on? Like, what if I had been as a dad? 
what if I had Russell for a dad? You know, what if I had even Mars? And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> you are a fool. <laughs> I'm just saying anything could have been better than know. that. I mean, I'm not saying it was the worst. I'm not yeah. saying it was the worst. I don't I don't mean to put myself above or below anybody else. I'm saying strictly from my personal experience, you know, I know what I had lost and I'm aware, I'm cognizant of that loss. And that is what drives my negative emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think your question's a really important one because there are a lot of people, I think, who uh, are lis- going to listen mm-hmm. to what you just said and and can really identify with it and for whom Father's Day probably is a source of great pain, you know. And it, it's particularly hard when you're in that place and then you go on social media, right, and you see everyone mm. else putting up their celebration photos, all these yeah. kind of perfect-looking families. And they're not perfect, but of course on social media they look that way. <laughs> and then you know, there's that pain. So I guess I stay to, away from it. Uh, I stay away from all. Yeah. That well, that, that sort of gets it in my thought. You know, I first, if you're, if, if you're someone for, with whom that resonates, I think the, the place to start is to just sort of acknowledge the pain that you're feeling and go, yeah, that, that makes a mm. lot of sense. Mm. Given my history, mm. does it make sense that this would be a painful day for me? And the answer is, yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. And then this consider, well, given that, given that this is a rough day, what would be helpful? And maybe that means connecting with other people that I care about. I know sometimes on Valentine's Day, there are single people that mm. have like anti-Valentine's Day that, parties or whatever, you know, to come together yeah. and, mm-hmm. and support one another and have a little fun in the face of this holiday that, oh, yeah. you know, everyone else is enjoying, but for them is a real nightmare. That came up when we were talking about this. And one of the themes that, that what you just said resonate with me is, and it came from one of our earlier episodes on uh, fake alphas, which is, uh, empowering others. So I kind of take that recognizing and acknowledging the men in my life who have really went above and beyond as fathers, even though I'm not a part of that, I'd like to recognize and it, it. You know, it feels good to empower my friends. Say, hey, look, man, I just want to acknowledge you that, wow, you're doing an awesome job. And I can verify that from first person experience that you are indeed killing it. It's great. Keep going. Boom. Done. And then I feel better. Hmm. Well, and you just, one of the things you acknowledge too is that there are men in your life that have been important to you. Yes. You know, and been. maybe they they didn't contribute to your biological makeup, but maybe that's what you celebrate on Father's Day. Just to to, to try and, you know, this is maybe the Mike Murr's learn to love sauerkraut wish, right? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe you can't celebrate your biological father, but maybe that's a day to celebrate the men that did show up for you. Yes. And did show you they cared about you and did see the 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 stuff in you that was beautiful yes. and, and uh, yes. let you know they were on your side. So when you're like going around Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or whatever, and you see your friends eating bratwurst or grilling and there's sauerkraut, just do, do you, <laughs> oh my God, do you like hate physical them? pain? I can literally oh, smell like, it through I, the picture. You got to take that off my Facebook. <laughs> do you block them as your friend? I mean, <laughs> I don't have social media, Murs. You don't have. Well, that makes sense now because sauerkraut is out there. It's everywhere, and we celebrate it. it, And you better get used to it. Wishes or no, (laughs) I 
I can identify with this conversation because I love sauerkraut, but both my my wife <laughs> and my son, if I even heat it up in the microwave, they leave. Yes. They can't even stand the uh-uh. smell. I, I have to, I don't eat I wait till they go out of town to eat sauerkraut. <laughs> I like it over mashed potatoes myself. You like, the my, house my before we come back in. It's like I can't I couldn't I I can smell sauerkraut like a dog can smell anything else. <laughs> I'm that sensitive to it. I can't wait to come visit this. One of the interesting byproducts from the, my relationship with my father, and this podcast is a result of that in a sense, is that I've really been able to grow my fictive kin family, so non-family yeah. family, and I've been able to form relationships with people who I didn't know were like me, and maybe they didn't know I was like them, and maybe we never even had that conversation, but we became family in a sense and you know for me and it happens with people i identify with but you know in this specific case you know ben is one of those people for me and it's just interesting how that kind of like a byproduct of that was that i don't know i wouldn't know necessarily call it an ability i don't know how you the classification is not important it's just the fact that that came from that and and i've noticed that after being able to identify that after I kind of sought help for myself, it happened organically, but then I kind of went back and unpacked it and realized that that's what that was. That's where that came from. Yeah. I mean, I think you can get, there's a difference between a title and a relationship, right? No, oh, yeah. Someone might technically have the title of father, but are, do they actually have that relationship with you? And if you're not, getting what you need out of from your father get it elsewhere you know get it like fictive kin or even like like men's groups like a a kind of a brotherhood if you you are aware enough to know that you have certain needs that aren't being met through relationship with figures in your life then find it elsewhere and that's what we've been trying to build uh, with the show and we're just starting to build these men's groups and, and hopefully if all goes as planned, we'll be able to launch a lot of men's groups and give all of you out there listening access to a chance to build that. I have a question for Russell. Go for it. What's the difference between solidarity and commiseration? <laughs> commiseration for me, feels like just kind of looking at where someone else is and, and kind of resonating with that going, Oh, I get that. That sucks. I'm here with you. That's, that's, and, and I think solidarity to me feels a little more action oriented. Yep. It's a little more, Hey, let's join together, like in the service of doing something. Okay. So I guess I, I they, they sound similar to me, but I see commiseration as being a little more passive. Whereas solidarity, I think is a little more, uh, a little more activating or action oriented. That's, that's just how I make sense of it. Well, I asked this because I found too, in addition to what we've just been talking about, I found solace in people I could commiserate with, but what I think I was seeking was solidarity with them. And I confused the two. That's because I used to run with completely different groups. Okay. I'll give you an example. I used to be a staunch Republican, Alex Jones groupie and all these other things. And then I found my way away from that where I was very comfortable, but I wasn't, I didn't have like the substance there, you know, yeah. I didn't have, and getting my way f- 
finding, I'm not saying what telling what people to think, but what, for me, finding my true self included distancing myself from those things I became for all intents and purposes, addicted to, which was a, a kind of addicting. It was easy to find. It was readily accessible. Yeah. It was there. And it was no trouble finding groups of large groups of people to identify with. And when you have somebody like me who didn't have that identity from, say, my father, which is looping this back to that conversation, I sat real comfortable in with those groups. You know, yeah, I, you know I wasn't living my most full life. Y- you're highlighting something that's really important, Johnny. I think we all need our, a tribe. I mean, humans feel safe through connection. We all need a tribe. We all need to fit in. We need to feel like, you know, there are people that, that see me and kind of feel the same things I feel and, you know, and feel connected in that way. And the, the, the problem I have with groups like, you know, the Alex Jones groups or things like this is that, that tr- that's a tribe, right? And people join because they want to feel a part of a tribe. But it's a tribe that's based on shared rage or shared anger or shared fear, right? And there's a lot of not so great stuff that comes when you're constantly like perpetually living in a state of anger or rage or fear. You know, your yeah. thinking narrows and, you know, you're just, and it feeds on itself. So you get a bunch of people who are just angry and reinforcing one another's anger all the time. And anger is not bad. It serves its purpose. But it's not designed to be something you live in all the time. I mean, it's designed to be a rapid on, rapid off, meet the threat kind of situation, kind of experience. And we know this. We know, for example, that chronic hostility, people who have chronic hostility, they die like seven years younger than everybody else. I mean, it's related to mortality uh, because it's hard on the body. Our bodies aren't designed to do that. So I think we need to find a tribe, but I don't want to try. I don't want to be a part of a tribe where the parts that link me with the rest of the tribe are, are the parts of me that are problematic in terms of their impact mm. on my relationships or uh, my health, right? I don't want to, I, I don't yeah. want to connect with other people on the basis of rage or on the basis of hatred or on the basis of jealousy or resentment. I want to join with people on the basis of mutual support and, you know, mm. figuring out how can we, uh, make the world a better place? Or maybe just how do we have a lot of fun together? Maybe we right. don't have to do anything other than to support one another and have fun and build healthy lives together. But so I, I think we all need our tribes and I think we have a lot better lives when we choose tribes that are based on something that's healthy, you know? And what a, yeah, absolutely. I, that really resonates with me and it makes a lot of sense for someone like me that I really, I know how hard it is to, to get out of that state of being, I'm going to call it. It's a state of being to me where I was so comfortable, you know, I was so yeah. comfortable. I was, I, I got what I needed when I wanted it. It was almost like a drug, but that drug wears off. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the reasons I think people, people get attracted to those groups though, because they validate the parts of us that we might otherwise be ashamed of. Hmm. Right. Uh, if there's, if there's stuff in us that maybe doesn't look so pretty, Right. But we don't feel like anger can be one of those things. If I'm someone who's kind of ragey all the time or like that, that can be, it can be kind of, I can feel ashamed of it. I can feel bad about it if I'm like saying or doing things that cause pain and people I care about. But if I see that model like as a good thing, then I don't have to feel bad about it anymore. Right. They're all like me. Mm -hmm. You know, I can just be like that and I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to take it on. You know, whereas if I can step back and, and actually, open myself up to, gosh, sometimes I behave in ways that are really hurtful to people I care about. 
that's pretty upsetting. And I have to do something about that. At least right. I want to do something about that, which, you know, we're circling back to my TEDx talk, right? That's what kind of woke yeah. me up to all of this stuff is when I saw, do I really yeah. want to give this anger to my son? Is that what I want him? Is that how I want him to experience me? And is that what I want him to struggle with as he grows up? And the answer to both of those questions was no, I don't want him to experience me like that. And I certainly don't want him to grow up to struggle with the same stuff that I'm struggling with. It sounds like a defining moment. It really was. Yeah, yeah. But but a lot of times... The, the key is when we get those unflattering looks in the mirror, when we look up and we see the version of ourselves that we don't want to be, you know, that's a choice point, right? We've got a choice. We can either ig- ignore it and just go back to, you know, turn on Netflix real quick or whatever and just not pay attention to, or we can right. dismiss it or we can say, whoa, that's painful. That's, mm-hmm. that's not the, the dude I want to be. Right. And what would help me be a better version of me? And that's the question I think that's really important. That's the key, I think, in compassion is to look at the hard parts and go, given that, what would be helpful? But it's, it's yeah. painful because I've got to stay with it. I've got to maintain my awareness that, yeah, there's stuff I do that's not okay with me. And that's really uncomfortable. But that's what I've got to do if I'm going to work with it. And the other thing you mentioned earlier that really stuck with me was this concept of as a father – what do you want your children to feel when they think about you? Yeah. Oh or when you're God. actually physically present. You know, if you're the stern authoritarian father, what your children are most likely going to feel a lot of the time when you're present is rigidity as they walk on eggshells not to do something mm-hmm. that's going to be met with your disapproval. And fear. I don't want my son constantly afraid of my disapproval. I want him to know that I love him and I'm on his side. Right. We got your back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Coles, this you gave us a lot to think about. And uh we're really grateful for you uh being our first ever guest on sexy dad jokes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been awesome. <laughs> yes, and just <laughs> dropping your wisdom and uh we're I, I know I'm really excited to continue this work with you. I'll see you at men's group. Yeah. We'll keep trying to reframe compassion as a source of strength and not something to be afraid of. And one more thing I want to mention. So you're based in Spokane, Washington, which I understand is the birthplace of Father's Day. The birthplace of Father's Day. That is true. That is wow. true. And I don't know much about the story other than we got a plaque. When you walk around Riverfront Park, Spokane is built around a big river, the Spokane River <laughs> that runs right through the middle of town. And I believe as you walk around there, there's a plaque that announces and describes the origins of Father's Day in Spokane. So, Yeah, but well, before we go, you know, my dad told me once that he said, you'll never amount to anything because you procrastinate. And I said, oh, yeah, just you wait. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dad joke. And there it is. Okay, Dr. Colts, thank you so much. And uh, hopefully, we'll be seeing you around some more. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, Anytime, so. man. This is great. Anytime you want me back, I'm happy to come. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's important that fathers understand that children are the most essential thing to care for along with their spouses and even themselves. But taking true care of them 
leading with love and compassion, always putting them first before anything else, helps everyone strive to a better form of masculinity and for men, a healthier form of manliness. So there's been some serious discussions about fathers and father figures and all that. Yeah. And it's really striking a chord with me. Huh. And because of that, uh, I was hoping before we go home that I could share just one last thing with y'all that I think will really resonate with a lot of people. Yeah, Marius, by all means, just want you to know it's good to know that these topics really are hitting home and resonating with you and hopefully everyone listening too. I mean, these are some really deep, intense topics. When you talk about anyone's dad, they can trigger some really intense feelings. So I'm truly happy to see you standing up and wanting to have your voice heard while so many feel like they aren't being heard. And I know that no doubt what you have to say is something everyone probably in unison has been wanting to say and kind of get off their chest. So by all means, what do you got? So what do you call the father of Oreos? God damn it. (laughs) God damn it. Mers. It's it's daddy-o's. Dad jokes. Come on. Freaking goddess again. Uh, How does he do it? uh, (laughs) Well, well, I wonder if Square 50's guy found some of that modern era food to enjoy on this Father's Day. You bet I did, pal. I just stumbled across a local ice cream shop that has so many flavors of ice cream, they even have alcohol-flavored ice cream. Oh, boy. Ew. Maybe one day I can persuade them to make a Chesterfield-flavored ice cream. I tell you, that would be the cream of the crop. Go for the whiskey, but not the cigarettes. Like, why don't you just dump nail polish remover in your chocolate milkshake? Or your whiskey coke or whatever it is. Oh, Richard, will he ever learn? Anyways, that will do it for us. Any final words, fellas? Butt cheeks? But but that's your final word. (laughs) I think that we should make Britney Spears a spear in Winston Churchill's knee. Profound. Like I got, Why? What is it? I got. I got. I took an arrow to the knee. I took a spear to the knee. <laughs> Profound. That's deep, man. That's Thank deep. you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Bye bye, Hamas. Feed fear, a suck it sandwich boy. Why wouldn't you buy those credits right now? And I can tell you, I don't have a crystal ball, right? I don't have a crystal ball. You don't? But I can tell you what's happened over on on the other side of our organization. How's that sound? Are you still with me? Sign me up. I thought we were talking about faces made for radio. That's faces made for telesale. That's, oh, what yeah, I, that's what I just did was go through oh, yeah. like the parts that I remembered of that. <laughs> oh, whole he kind of Mers blind right there for a moment. I know it's tough because I don't stop talking. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Hey, dude, look. When was the last time that? Look, 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 look. Those are the people. That's where the gold is. Why? Because they have new neighbors, and if there's information they can talk to their neighbors about the local area about, they're gonna look. Yeah, right. I know, but you're not a real estate agent. <laughs> 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 
Uh, Why the hell is a ginger talking? Because <laughs> nobody else is, and I'm bored as because I'm ADHD. Let's run, let's go. Come on, where the is the squirrel? Anybody got some? Uh... We didn't have any power drill sounds in this in this video. Oh, in this. Damn. We're doing. Well, I mean, we're kind of in the blooper segments. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Not adding any goddamn motherfucking drill sounds in this show? Are you kidding me? Take four months off, and this is what you goddamn give me? You son of a bitch! I cannot support that. Then we just gotta get Murs mad, and then he'll just start going, brother. God damn it, motherfucking piece of shit. Wait, 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 wait! I know. I know what to do. Murs. Yeah. Twitter painted. You. I cannot believe you guys don't know about Twitter painted. How do you not know the word Twitter painted? Bullshit. Oh boy. Thanks for listening to episode 8 of Sexy Dad Jokes. Please like and subscribe and visit sexydadjokes.com and get some merch. Celebrity characters depicted in this show are not affiliated with Sexy Dad Jokes. Materials used in this episode are for criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and or research. Until next time, all right!